Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Definitely taking a left turn on the podcast today because there's almost no sports mentioned in today's episode. What does happen, though, is I have a conversation with a colleague of mine that I think that you might get some value out of. Joanne Martin is the director of online learning at DePaul University. We've been friends for almost a decade now. She's a trusted friend and a trusted colleague. The reason that I wanted to have her on the podcast is because I know that there are plenty of students who listen to this. There are plenty of parents who listen to this podcast. And I want to give you kind of an inside look at how the educational process is changing with everything that we're going through with the pandemic how everything for the most part is moved online. This is what Joanne does for a living. She's someone who designs whole sections of learning and doing it online. And she recently has had to completely turn around a university's whole curriculum to now being online. And I teach one of the classes there and I've had to change mine. I thought you might find it valuable to know what it is and what is expected. And on top of being one of the best educators I know, Joanne is also a parent. So she's dealing with this the opposite way too, where her two sons are at home every day now having to learn online. And I think that she offers some really good advice for those of you that are sitting there going, I'm not a teacher. And now I have the role of being a teacher. So that's what I wanted to do with the podcast today. I think you'll enjoy it and take something out of it. My good friend and very good colleague from DePaul University, Joanne Martin. What type of an undertaking was it for you to try and move an entire curriculum online? Uh. It was something I never once considered would even be a possibility within my career. There have been talks, oftentimes I'm asked, do you want to get 100% of your curriculum online? Do you want to do this? And it doesn't work with um, who we are and what we're trying to do. There are real benefits to -to face-to-face classes and a mix of them. And students get to choose and what they want to do. And you have to very abruptly get an entire curriculum worth of classes to remote distance learning. I, I can't even call it online learning. We're using online technologies, but this isn't. This is not online learning. It takes us typically 20 weeks to design a course and to put it up. And there are a lot of pedagogical frameworks that we have with it. And this isn't that. This was trying to use the technologies that we have in order to have a continuance of learning and for teaching and to keep that going for all of our students and the entire community. So what is the difference? Someone's saying, well, of course, this is online learning. What, what, what are the differences that you see that change what teachers and professors are doing now versus what you do for a living? Well, we have to take into account a lot of factors that we didn't before. So we had students on campus or we are an urban campus and that those who self-select to take an online course know that there's an expectation to have certain technology requirements to have high-speed internet, to have the tools available that they need to take the course. 
that wasn't an option. These students signed up for these classes. They were about to begin. And then all of a sudden it pivoted where we have students who don't have that internet access. They don't have the ability to go to a class on Tuesday nights from six to nine when they have kids at home now that they have to take care of, where you have people who are not only full-time parenting, but homeschooling and working full-time and now going to school on top of it. They're, they're just sometimes unreasonable expectations for us to continue as business as usual. An online class would be designed as business as usual. This is what you signed up for, that you expected to put in this amount of time per week, these, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous. Synchronous is when you're all meeting at the same time in the same place in the same online space. Asynchronous is when everyone chooses to work in their own um, date and time and we interact in different ways online throughout the week, such as discussion boards or, or voice threads, a whole bunch of different technologies. That, that's not always possible and that varies not on the class in terms of topic, but class in terms of the makeup of the students who are in that particular class, in that section, in that term. Considering some of the challenges that all of us have right now, what's your feeling on trying to do synchronous learning? It's actually stood up pretty well. Uh, we have some classes that are, students love it. It gives a sense of connection. And particularly as we're all at home by ourselves all the time, it can get rather monotonous and lonely. And to have a sense of this community that's come out of it, that you have this conversation. Where for others, it's much more difficult to juggle and balance it all. And we can't expect that what one person finds great, another person finds stressful and vice versa, is we're not making those assumptions on what will work and what doesn't. It's so individualized at the moment. So you had a collection of calm professors that you had to squire through this who are used to being in, you had to, like they're they're used to being in front of a classroom that are used to being hands-on when it comes to making corrections on things that they want students to do. So what's your best advice to them on handling this remote teaching that they're doing? Two pieces of advice. Um, The first is, I'm going to start with the pedagogical one, is to go back to your objective. What is the objective of the assignment? When we talk about online learning design, we always go back to this. As instructors, we tend to get in ruts. We've always done these assignments because this is what comes out of it without thinking about what is the objective behind it. Once you strip back to what is the objective, you realize you can achieve it in multiple ways. It's like multiple doors in the same room. So how do you achieve it in an online manner? And oftentimes it looks pretty different, but it doesn't mean the objective is any less. The student is still able to demonstrate that by the end of this assignment, I am able to dot, 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 fill in the blank. But my number one piece of advice, and uh, many people have heard me say this before, is to have grace. This is an incredibly stressful time for so many reasons. And the personal and professional and parenting and parents all get jumbled in the same snow globe and it's all been shaken up together. And the more kindness and benefit to serve one another we can have, the more we'll get through this. People aren't choosing not to do something because they necessarily don't want to, oftentimes because they're paralyzed. There's so much going on is that I cannot comprehend and deal with this and I cannot possibly respond to this email. There's nothing to do about the content of the email typically. It's, there's 
so much other things going on that all adds up together. So the more grace we have towards one another, the more we'll be successful in our teaching and our learning. How would you judge success with with a quarter like this at DePaul or any university that's that's moving everything online? To be able to have the students meet the objectives of the course, utilizing the technologies we have within the framework of the world that we have to the best of our ability. That's fair. All right. Now, you also double as a mom. You got kids that are that are now at home. So along with an in, entire university, you're also dealing with with kids at home that are trying to do stuff. What are you doing for them? Like, do they have an online curriculum? Like, how are you how are you getting them what they need educationally? Those four kids have a director of online learning as a mother. <laughs> um, though I will say I. I'm much less hands-on than I think people assume that I am in the manner of that they're teachers. I'm not their teacher and their mother. They have teachers who are actually designing work and curriculum for them to do. And I set them up every morning. School starts at the same time. And I check to see what they have to do and what they're assigned and what they're responsible for. And then I go do my work. They do their work. We'll meet together for lunch. But we also are taking this time. My job is to then teach them home economics that is what we're learning a lot of this year um my oldest son i handed him a recipe the other day for something we've never had before he's never had lentil soup let alone hate it but i was in the middle of sending out emails to all of our faculty on a monday and said here this is for dinner make it figured out so he had to figure out the measurements and how to do it and put it all together and he did and it was really great so it's a lot of learning and independence that's come out of this it's what I love is that it's allowed our children to really be bored and not have scheduled activities and all these things that we that they've come to expect and we've come to expect of ourselves. All of that has had gone out the window. And we've always given permission to just let them be. I don't keep tabs on necessarily what they're doing at what point in time in the house. Maybe they're reading, maybe they're doing a craft, maybe they're playing a video game doesn't matter they're figuring out themselves and how to do it sometimes i'll go outside and i'll hear them playing outside in the backyard they are being eight and 11 years old exactly as they should be just not around other people but i'm sure that that there are a lot of parents that feel overwhelmed because now they do feel like they're they're both parent and uh, history teacher and gym teacher and everything else that their their child gets when they're at school so what what can they do to ease some of their concerns about what their kids are or are not learning at home during this time? They'll learn what they need to learn. Is that the assignments are structured and the way that the schools are set is that they won't fall behind next year. Everyone's the same place. We made it a level playing field for everyone. So it's not like there's advantages here or there. What is really difficult, and my heart goes out to those who've got young kids who don't have the structure of school, who really need someone to care for them all the time. I mean, toddlers and the quarantine and working from home, I oh, those people are my heroes because those are, I mean, little people who need you for everything. They can't make themselves their own snack, let alone, I mean, how do you juggle work with that and the pressures of, especially the sandwich generation of their parents and maybe needing care? And we're on the precipice in Chicago of people starting to get really sick. So how does all that play 
together in the the concept of grace doesn't necessarily extend just to other people. It also extends to ourselves that it's okay to just give my kids a bunch of pretzels and call it good. <laughs> I don't need to keep track of how many vegetables they eat per day. It, 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 it just doesn't matter now. Are, Not for a few weeks or a couple months. There also seem to be, we were talking a little bit about this offline. Like there also seems to be like lessons that, can be taught that aren't necessarily things that one would find in a teacher's lesson plan. There's value oh, in God, that, right? Yeah. We call that life. It, it just, I mean, we get conversations around the house. You play a game and you start talking about it or um, you watch something on TV. We've been recently watching magic for humans. And some of the things that come out of that, the concept of illusion and about how humans want to believe in things and what that means and where that stems from and what the repercussions of that would be things. I mean, there are opportunities for conversations that in the structure of the days that we've had, I mean, I don't get home till six and they've got homework and dinner and then bed. We don't get to sit around and watch Netflix and have discussions about what this TV show means as a greater cultural context. There's great moments for that that we didn't get to have before. I love also the idea of, of storytelling. That 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 there that there's 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 something rich about the idea of whether it's your own family storytelling or the stories of your family that can now be shared and I think educational and also recorded. I've suggested to mm. both of my kids that every generation has a defining moment. For us, it was nine eleven. For my parents, it was JFK's assassination. That every generation has one moment where everyone knows where they were at, what they felt when that happened. For these kids, they're going to be the quarantine generation. What are they feeling when their grandkids ask them and interview them for a report for school? What were the thoughts that they had? Jot them down and write them down. We're not, hopefully, we'll never have this again. This will be a once in a lifetime experience. We get to choose what we make out of it. In your mind, where have you gone for of a, a magical imaginary vacation once this all gets settled where are you in your mind oh i'm supposed to spend three weeks in europe this summer hmm. i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> so in my mind i'm in europe <laughs> um i had a great trip planned i was gonna bring the kids to ireland for the first time i used to live there um but I've been escaping in literature. Hmm. So where I go is the lives of other people and the experience that they have. So funny enough, I've actually never read Love in the Time of Cholera and thought, you know what? There is no better time to read that book than perhaps right now. So I ordered it from Amazon and that's what I'm in the middle of reading now. This was outstanding. I thank you for your time because I know that you're super busy. So thanks for carving out 15 minutes for me. Has it really been 15 minutes already? Yeah. That's what happens when we get together. It, like, Usually what happens when we get together is we end up talking. My camera keeps going in and out of lighting. Um, if you want to redo this, we can. No. And I can find a better lighting position. Um, it's... Uh, when we get together, time flies, man. 
It does. We talked about a whole variety of topics and things that are going on. And it's been so, I was actually talking about this today, yesterday, where, or today I was talking with Ivy. Um, for the first time, I've been in crisis mode for the past three and a half weeks. And for the first time, it's like we've got spring term up and going. Like it's going and things have started to recede a little bit. And it's sometimes I feel a little despondent. Like it's all just starting to hit about what just happened and what is happening. It's like, oh, and the answer is to sit in my house. Okay. And I feel so helpless, particularly because I, I was talking to Jamie Freeland. She's the um, Mateo's Joy charity that I work with and we help families of sick kids at, uh, at the different hospitals and we feel so helpless. Our answer to things is to help and to provide as much comfort and uh, support as we can and there's almost nothing that we can do now and it feels so so difficult and so that you have so so hamstrung that there's nothing can be done. We have so many healthcare workers calling for PPE and they really want these protective devices and it's just not a matter of just not being able to get it it's that it doesn't exist to get i think that's where everyone's at like just trying to figure all this stuff out but you're right about the that rush of adrenaline that pushes all of us through getting the stuff done that we need to get done and then when you come down from that crisis mode it's a weird place because you're still stuck in all of it but you don't have those um all of those goals that you're trying to, you like, you've hit them. You've hit all these goals. And now you're just sitting there going, well, what's next? Like, what do I have to be mm-hmm. on guard for? And it's a, it's a weird thing to try and allow yourself to just be. Like, that's, yeah. that's one of the most difficult things about this is the just being part. It's a very uncomfortable thing for people. It's, you talk about anxiety that one of the methods to work through it is to acknowledge that feeling and to just sit with it. Don't try to make it go away. Don't try to make it better. Just accept it and just be with it. Just sit with it. That's a really hard thing for a lot of people to do. Me particularly, I'm a doer. I get things done. Like I see a problem, I figure out the solution and I make it happen. And to just sit with it is, it's a difficult, difficult concept. Gotten much better at it since I was sick. Um, You don't have a choice but to be with it. So I've gotten better in the last few years, but it's hard. Well, like I said, thank you for, for the time and the expertise and thanks for helping all of us figure out what we were going to do with, with our students at DePaul so far. So good. If you can teach me how to do it, then you can teach anybody how to do it. So what has been the number one thing you've learned in this experience? You've had to very quickly, you're on the other side of the proverbial desk where it was me that had to help organize to get all these courses up as an individual instructor who's never taught online before. What has been most striking to you? I didn't think that, I didn't think initially that the students were going to get the same value out of the class and that bummed me out. And it took me kind of going through your presentation to go like I felt supercharged like after that I was like this can Good. this can absolutely work the students can get stuff that's valuable it's not the same but it's similar and mm-hmm. so so what I did is I took elements that w- I would have maybe spent a couple of classes on 
and now I've expanded those. So it, oh, okay. it's it's deepening a skill that I wanted them to develop. But figuring out that there's still a lot of value to it was important mm-hmm. for me to get on board. That it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter that this was now going to be online. That the students are are entitled to me giving my best effort at making their class great. So that's what I've spent the last three weeks doing is seeing which elements that I can bring online and then kind of refine it and then refine it again and refine it again. And hopefully my, my hope is that I get to see them before the quarter ends. But if I don't get to see them before the quarter ends, I do feel like I've given them something that they can take with them. And I'm looking forward to like connecting with them. And the last, the last module that I put in place was me offering myself up as, is kind of a job fair for them Nice. saying, okay, let me look at your resume. I want to know what you want to do. Ask me whatever you want so that you can take from what I already do. Like that, that was like, once I got on board, I was fully on board. It was the, can I do this? Can I do this as well as I feel like I could present in front of a classroom? And, and what I figured out is yes. Yeah. I can, I can do a version of this class that'll be valuable to the students. Because you went back to the objectives and made it about the objectives and not about what you're able to bring to the class. Yep. It shifted a little bit and made it much more student-centered in the fact that you looked at what are the objectives and how to meet them as opposed to this is what I know. This is your career. This is what you do. You know this. And you're sharing it with others. We're just shifting, turning it upside down to how we look at it. Well, I, I thank you. Uh, I, I thank you tremendously because it's been, I, I actually think that I have now added, I've now added a, a new club to my, my golf bag. Like I didn't have this club <laughs> in my golf bag before. That's the first time I've heard that analogy. I'll take it. And now I have it. Like I didn't, I couldn't make that shot before because I didn't have that club in my bag and now I have it. And what's great is, is I, I'm looking forward to what, the in-person class turns into with the feedback from the students on the online version. So am I. I cannot wait to see how all classes get modified based on this experience. Well, thanks for all the hard work that you've done. And I appreciate you being on the podcast. I like being on the podcast. (laughs) You're good at it. You're really good at it.